on behalf of the 1903, I'd like to welcome you all to the Player of the Year Awards. Tonight we will celebrate all those who have excelled during the season. Awards will be given for Player of the Year, Young Player of the Year, Goal of the Season, sponsored by Blackstone Motors, and my favourite, Supporter of the Year. Tonight we'd also like to honour the managers and coaches of all six academy teams. Roles which generally go unrecognised but are vital to the future success of any club. We also have a raffle with some fantastic prizes and all money goes to this year's charity partner, Save Our Homeless. We also have some special guests through the evening. But first, I'd like to welcome the guys from the Town End podcast. Well, two of them are here so far, and one's on the way. Can I get Chris and Donald to the stage? Have a great evening, everybody. Good evening, everyone. Thanks so much, Ora. Thanks for everyone in the 1903 Supporters Club for inviting us along for uh, the second year now. So we must have done something decent last year. Uh, it wouldn't be the town end unless someone was late. So Steph, as usual, <laughs> it has to be someone running late. Donald, on the last show that we had, you know, we had a look back on this season that was um, 2023. Your, I suppose, your overriding thoughts on the season. Um, so I, I don't know if anybody listens to the show or pays attention to the show or whatever, but I had, me and my wife had a baby just at the start of the season, so my brain has completely left me, I have no recollection of anything that's happened. My brain's done this weird thing where I can only remember the good games, I can't remember anything that we lost, it's just gone, so I can remember all of the great home games that I got to see, so why am I overriding memory of the season with really good stuff, so like, that's pretty helpful for something like this. Uh, look, I suppose there was a season of some inconsistencies, we could say, and at times. But to beat Drogheda across four games is always good. You know, I think for us, we were talking about kind of standout moments of the season. Definitely the one little victory over Shamrock Rovers in the Cup year. You know, it's probably the outstanding game. We've probably seen like, the best side, um, the best formations, the best tactics, everything, everything just clicked in that game. Park and 89 minute penalty save from Shepherd, you know, the 3 2 victory over them here. The Cork match, you know, won them for the majority of the game and to go back and, and, and win 2 1 
it, you know, it was a crazy five minutes in that game. The rest of it was was hard watching at times, but like just that extra time in particular, like it's it was absolutely crazy. Like, but it's when you look back on it, you kind of think, what a roller coaster season it was. No, has the Duck ever recovered from the celebrations at the end of that game? I don't know if it has. But it, yeah, there was um, even the, the like 60 seconds against Derry, yeah. the two goals in 60 seconds were absolutely it was absolutely crazy. Um, the, it was like beating uh, 5 million against Pats at home. So like, there's, there have been really good games. Like, again, I can't remember much of them. We did it, I think we did a podcast about an hour after the game finished at one point, and I had already forgotten what happened. In the game, so baby yeah, yeah, and I'm like the worst person to have up here to try and remember what happened this season. Uh, I just about remembered that this was on, so I'm as prepared as you can imagine I would be. Well, look, I, I think it's, we'll bring in our first person, someone who will know very much about everything that happened this season. Uh, can we have a big round of applause and like to welcome to the stage Stephen O'Donnell. Baby brain, he doesn't remember the season <laughs> that much at all. For yourself, what's the overriding feeling um, now that we're at the end of this season? I, I like probably overriding, probably inconsistent as you said, and just a lost opportunity probably in regards to it, the, the league table and probably not winning enough big games when the nights where we needed to win and not winning enough away games, uh, particularly in Dublin, that would be the overriding. Um, even flicking back, obviously you're going to be, uh, your head's always going to be wandering, even if, for instance, if we had drawn um, against Shelburne or Tolka, we would have come forth and got Europe just, um, so probably a little bit of a missed opportunity on the whole in regards to the way the, way the league went with, with everybody dropping quite a number of points. From, from the outside looking in, it looked very frustrating at the time, just injuries of probably key moments and times in the season made it your job even harder throughout the season. But do you look back at certain games and say, that's something I'm very, very proud of? Yeah, I do. And I feel in the, throughout the season, I would su suspect probably the two away games to draw that, and then they all that dairy away from home were probably three standout games where I felt over the course of those games that we didn't deserve probably anything from the game or what we got. But apart from that, I don't think we've loaded many other games like that where probably a few teams above us have more games where through luck or, or, or through being a bit more resilient hung in there and, and got points that shouldn't have got points. Um, but we had, we, we, we had good performances as well. Um, we had a lot of players sort of having their first full season senior, like trying to churn out performances week after week. Um, and I think that'll stand, stand to us and stand to those individuals as well um, next season. I was going to say that you were mentioning like there was a lot of young players and players that were like, getting their first run in proper professional football. How do you think you managed that situation? Because you had the same sort of situation last season with a, a few new players that were coming in and were starting out their senior career like that. What is, have you changed your way of treating those players from season to season? Is that yeah, I would have learned a lot from the season just gone by probably. Um, did I factor that in enough with players in regards to individuals and the cards, coaxing them along and, and probably wanted too much too soon from them. 
and maybe potentially skipped out a bit of the a bit of the learning phase with them. And to be honest with you, so obviously young manager, you're you're always sort of learning, but that would have been one of the big takeaways um, from us, especially considering we sort of you know, it was after the first game of the season we signed three new players that week going into the Bowes game, so hopefully that that will repeat itself in that regard. We did start sort of sort of late and I know I get a little bit of stick from taking positives after defeats and that um, but I think John and Ryan will tell you that that's not the line we go through internally, you know, I'm, I'm conscious as well of of keeping players' confidence high in regards outwardly, externally to the public, etc. Because it can be sort of quite daunting for, for players that are inexperienced and maybe if they get a bit of stick from the crowd, which is a given in football, have a bad result, bad individual performance. I'm just conscious of it not rattling them further on or for longer periods of time. But um, that would have been a big take, you know, of individuals sort of inexperienced ones maybe wanting want too much too soon and maybe skipping the, the fundamental, like the fundamentals of it. I think, you know, one, of, one player that's massive, had a massive impact in the whole season was Archie Davis. What was it that you saw in him that, that you thought that, that was going to be a key player in your team? And did you always think he would be such a, a key influence throughout the season? Well, any time you, you kind of sign players, uh, there's always going to be a little bit of of a gamble how they're going to fit in uh, away from the away from the pitch, how they're going to fit in with the with the group of players, you know, style of play, you're trying to envisage everything. And then you can probably multiply that a little bit when you're taking someone overseas and don't know anything about the League of Ireland. Um and you're throwing them throwing them sort of straight in. But Archie, just what you see athletically levels I would say above our level uh, from a from an athletic point of view and then he just grew and grew and grew and again you're coming from a player who was at Crawley um, sort of let go by Crawley was at Brighton originally went to Aldershot then was kind of in and out at Aldershot not really enjoying it there and then you can see when they get comfortable their confidence gets high you can see from probably the, the halfway point of the season to the end of the season you know the levels he went up of just playing with confidence and, and feeling a huge part of the team um, and as I said athletically in delivery and engine wise like he played 70 odd games last season so and he was still going as strong at the end um, so you know a really really good athlete and, and his delivery when he gets there is excellent I think he, he had uh, assisted or contributed in, in nine goals this season from right back which is, which is obviously brilliant um, I was just going to say there was, there was a massive amount of excitement in the middle of the season when Daryl Corbin came back. What was it like getting him into the dressing room? What was the reaction of the players and how did you find bringing him back to the club? Yeah, I think it gave everyone a huge lift. Uh, obviously, as I said, Ryan and John be able to speak more from the dressing room point of view. But Daryl's such a, you know, he's 17 caps for the senior team. Had such a name pre-going at Dundalk, pre-going over and everything he achieves uh, since then. And, just the type of character he is, is around the place. Um, it was huge, and he, he's won another one. I expect to, you know, he'd no pre-season, hadn't really played regularly in 12 to 18 months, I would say. Um, again, he was thrown straight in, so he's won. I'm really looking forward to getting pre-season into and um, you know, hopefully, 
he'll, he'll really, really blossom next year. We see it more often, not only with us here in Dundalk, but throughout the league as well. Um, guys coming over from the UK, what sort of a sell is the League of Ireland and, and Dundalk to these players? Well, it, it, it's a tricky enough sell, to be honest, in regards. You're trying to... They have no sort of value, they have no reference point of the League of Ireland. They won't come on the radar out and probably... When you make the phone call, to be honest with you, you're a couple of days pre that, so you've you got to tell them and each and every one of them get a surprise of the level when they do come over. Because I know that the mindset would be you're trying to say it's a very competitive league, it's a good, good level. And they're probably thinking, yeah, yeah, but I know that they all get a bit of a land when they do come over and see the quality in training and how competitive the games are. And You know, you need to be a good player to stand out in this league consistently. and. Um, so all that's all that's an experience for them, and probably the first time as well with a lot of them they're living away from home, not even you know a couple of hours down the road, say from the north of England to the Midlands, and the Midlands to the south, they're on a different island. So all that takes takes a bit of time uh, to get used to it, and also with a lot of these players, as I said, with Archie's profile, the reason they're coming over here is probably because they felt they've got, shall I say, a bit of rejection in England or in Scotland because if those opportunities to stay in England and Scotland come into Ireland so then there's that sort of confidence point of view building them up you know whatever's happened previous a lot of football is fine margins it's right place right time it's just one individual taking a liking to you at a, at a certain club so many players have made a career out, out of that um, and then you sort of have to fluff the pillow and get the confidence into them and resilience, all that type of stuff that it takes to be um, to be consistently a good player at any level, at any decent level. When you look back at it now, the European campaign this year, do you do you hold any regret looking back? Do you feel it was a missed opportunity? Could we have done another round? Or? I, I think we could have. I knew Calibre, the team that we played against. Um, the Icelandic team, you know, I, I would have been expecting to go through to the next round um, and then obviously we would have Club Bruges in, in, in the round post that but um, yeah look we'd be disappointed to have lost lost to the Icelandic team and um, we're a little bit sort of injury wise and a little bit perhaps together changed the system sort of went 4-4-2 in the second leg uh, in the home leg um, and that would have been probably one that we were left behind. Uh, on the flip side, that I think we were fully ready. Obviously, financially, it was huge uh, to get into the next round. But from a sporting perspective, what I've thought, we were fully ready to play to play Bruce the next week. I'm not so sure. Was it really that that away leg with with K kind of? That's the one that done you. I was happier with us against K in the first leg than the than the second leg. To be honest, uh, our performance, um, I felt obviously we got to, we gave away some really poor goals over there, sort of transition goals, all of those, but balance of play and sort of domination of the game was all we dominated it. But um, I thought we were quite fluid at times over there. Um, Second leg was sort of a bit scratchy, we started the game all right and then from a goal kick and a flick on, we're one nil down, we got back in the game and we just didn't do enough, we didn't create enough, they obviously sat deep but um, as you said, you, as I said post game, 
after the, the two legs, ultimately you can't give up three goals to quite an average team, you know, on the first leg and, and then sort of have complaints when the tie's over. One real highlight for, for all Dundalk fans at the end, um, you know, you know we love rolling behind uh, any sort of local player, you'd see that it's four big of Ryan, but Sam Mullen getting his opportunity this year. Like, did you feel he was he was ready for that? And, and how far do you, do you feel Sam could go? Yeah, uh, we did. Yeah, it wasn't like we, we put him in when the when the season was sort of still still very much alive. It was a way to slide up um, and send him to finish his leave insert. So he only sort of came in training with us full time and uh, post leave insert. And then he, he was training well, good fit, very good physically. So he is one we, we would have high high hopes for. Uh, as I said, physically good. And there's a there's a few others as well that. That are chopping at the bit, and that we'd have we'd have high hopes for it in regards like graduating and becoming legitimate first first team players. And Maya went the way to Dungannon and uh, done quite well, and then he's come back training and training really well. Fortunately, he wasn't registered to play in the second half of the season, and um, but he'd be another one that we'd we'd have good high hopes for for in regards to the way he he's trained since he's come back from Dungannon and um, his dedication. Dedication to it. Oh, Kenny obviously went on long with Wexford, done well in the opportunities he, he got down there. Um, and there's a few more then on the conveyor belt. Hopefully, we can keep hold of there and behind that. But it's definitely something we want to um, we want to grow. We want to we want a backbone of lads that have come up through through Dundalk and have a real passion of playing for them. And as you said, Ryan. Um, is another massive example of that and you just just that you, like we want that connection between supporters we want supporters looking at, at players that are, and they're looking and he's come up through our 17s or 19s and uh, uh, there's a there's a huge pride in, in playing for dundalk and the more them type of players we can get with that mentality and uh, the better Look, I, I know you're tight enough with your time tonight, so I'm not going to see it. I'm all right. We've got to ask, though, this, this coming season, like, I'm sure the plans start now for it. Um, you know, you you had an passionate speech at the end of the season to kind of rally everyone around. Is, is that what you want us right from the start? Yeah, like, and I'm not just saying it's It's hard to rally around what you don't see, so, like, it, it's... Um, we're fully aware as well. It's almost as a club as well to... Um, there has to be, I can, like I'm lucky enough I can go off previous experience of when the club was rolling really well in regards when we were when I was playing and then John was here and that and the town was buzzing and but there was definitely that sort of identity between the supporters and the club. Everyone was as one in, in unison and, and we want that again and it's up to us as a club as well to really um, try and harness that so um, I do feel it's moved now as regards the landscape of the league so I know we had and I keep saying this but I, it's not a defeatist attitude um, it's not nothing like that but it, we need to get this attitude back of it's us against the rest of the league because we're a border town it is us isolated here against the rest of the league we don't have a God given right anymore which we did probably um, 16, 17, 18, these times, 16, 17, 18, of winning. Like the last, there's 
far more privileged clubs than us now from a financial perspective that if we went head to head against three or four clubs of signing a player that's become available in the league, we'd have no chance. We'd have no chance. So, like, it's just about flipping this sort of, like, we need to be the, like, the underdogs again. And that's not saying that we've no chance against these three or four clubs. We have a big chance. I'm, I'm fully sure that, like, the season's just played out. I suppose a lot of people, a lot of people in this room would be a little bit out of the season go, but ultimately the season went with a lot of lost opportunities. Four points behind third, seven points behind second. Um, now the one result we didn't flag up that I can't stand behind a lot of like, would be the going either result in the cup quarterfinals. Um, and I would never attempt to, because no matter what you'd say, I would never ever attempt to stand behind that performance and results just to get that clear there's no excuse for that um, what we served up in the quarterfinals but apart from that it's just about I think it's just about the hunger like the hunger has to be back around everywhere around the town the rawness the hunger of the club um, it definitely will be internally in our football department and it's just up to us now the whole, the whole football club to have to have that hunger and have that sort of um, connect with with the supporters, with the whole town and just the goodwill because it makes such a difference of when there is that feel good uh, factor, uh, you know, around the whole thing. It's it's not just about the, 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 the players uh, and the, the football side of it. The, you know, you can really make this place a hope as we've seen previous and as we've seen at isolated moments in even games last year, the Shamrock Rovers games and that. And our home record the last two seasons, in fairness, it is a fortress. I think we lost four, four games in two seasons at home. So it is an absolute fortress. And it's up to us to get the, the, the other side of it, the, uh, the away form, right? But I do feel like as a club and as a town, there's definitely huge sort of strides to be made to come together to really go on the front foot and, and attack attack the rest of the league and the rest of the country. I was talking to um, Martin Lawler during the week and he just happened to reiterate back to me that there's probably no other club in this league that feeds so much from the town and the town feeds back to the club and it's vice versa. Is that, that what, you're kind of, what you're talking about there is if, if, if we're all together we, we can offer this one thing that nobody else in the league has and it's that sort of unity that way. Yeah, like, what happens when success sort of comes, what happens, like, yeah, but it, as well, the flip side of that is, yeah, and there becomes more subplots and there's more different stuff happening and then all of a sudden the purity's gone a little bit. When I was just here as a player, it was just purely Dundalk came out of nowhere. You see little kids going around Dundalk tops. No real politics. It was just like, isn't this a great story? And we're taking on Europe. We're taking. We're in the group stages. Everyone's rolling behind together, behind each other. And then obviously when that happens and things get bigger and everything gets a little bit bigger, things can get a little bit. Not murkier, but whatever you want to call it. And I just feel that there just needs to be a strip back to the innocence of the game, the purity of the game of just 
winning matches, supporting your local team, playing for pride for for the three little birds and Dundalk being, you know, on on like on everyone's lips again, just from a, a purely happiness point of view of the town bosom. Nothing else really. Perfect. Look, Stephen, you've been really good with your time as well, so we, we do appreciate it. We want to thanks for this season ahead and wish yourself and the whole team best of luck for next season too. Right, we're both nice. Okay, um, or I think we're ready for our first award of the night, is that right? We are. Okay, um, so. Similar to last year, again, we are going to go for a supporter of the year. And I, I think, kind of reiterating what, what Stephen's talking about, it's supporter of the year, they, they really encompass everything about the club and, and, and they really understand and they'll go up and down the country no matter, no matter what. And I, and I know this person it relentlessly goes up and down the country and bringing his family and everything with him. So I think... It, Big round of applause, I think, really, uh, for our support of the year, and it's Kevin Mullen. And 
you need someone that you can call on to help. Uh, everybody uh, kind of has difficult situations in their life, but when, when it's so severe as this, uh, people obviously don't like to express it, they don't want people to know where I got. So it's nice to have. Oh, by the way, I'm here tonight because Sonia couldn't make it, and um, it was a last minute thing. But Sonia is the driving force behind our organisation, which, just to say to you, is a registered charity, and I'm a trustee, and that all the money that you contribute is accountable to our charity, and it's audited and monitored and everything like that, you know. So, just to say, say that. But, like when you say these things, there's so much going on in our country. It's a very rich country. Uh, we have, I think, 3% unemployment. We've welcomed in hundreds of thousands of people as immigrants. And we can look after them or we can look after our own too. And I think it's important that, uh, that, that there are the likes of our charities in our town and in our counties and in our country where people can go anonymously, by the way. And uh, it's, it's nice to know that there's a place in the dog. And, and fundraising through groups like the, the 1903, I'm sure it's imperative to, to a charity organisation like St. Yeah, well, as far as I know, we don't really fundraise, but we look on uh, the people of Tundalk to contribute. And so there will be business people and industry and individuals who will come to us and say, we like to contribute. So we take that on board, we distribute that then to the people. Um, I would not be fully aware of how it's monitored, but um, we would have people who have found it, like I said, into poverty or into homelessness. And we can, we hope to do the best that we can to make their lives better. That's that's a good trick, you know. And look, it, it's coming up to that <clears throat> time of year as well. At Christmas, it can be a tough time for for a lot of families as well. You know, we know that the shop is there on, on Park Street and, and that as well. So. Unfortunately, people will have to avail of it, but I suppose you're also thinking of if people can contribute in some way, you know, because this is the time of year where probably most people will start looking for help, unfortunately. Yeah, absolutely. And, and people, like I said earlier, who have never had this situation before, and all of a sudden you find yourself in this trap, and it is a trap. So you, the shop is there, the shop, as far as I know, again, I'm, 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 I'm flying here, but the shop, they have uh, lots of product in it. Uh, they have things for sale, obviously, like a charity shop, and uh, the money, again, goes to everybody. But also, people come into the shop, as far as I know, and within the confines of what work they do within the shop, they will give things to individuals, you know. Yeah, it's all about Look, look at I me, mean, I just think it's, you know, Stephen was here just talking about getting back into the community and using this club as a vehicle to get back into the community and I think us as supporters, we can get caught up in the football side and, and that's our whole life and stuff but to have an avenue like the supporters club here that can give to other charity organisations is also important because it's like a, it's a full circle and showing the strength of this town don't know if we've seen it time and time again when we've rolled in behind people who needed help. No doubt about it. I mean, the Dock Football Club is my life. Uh, I've been going since 1960. And all through my life, I've always found that the Dock people who support our club are very charitable people and will contribute regardless of what you come. I also was uh, involved with the Irish Association for Spine Bifter. 
and we came to the doctor, no problem. I mean, it's a great thing to have that in your life, you know, a child of people. So obvious. Look, I, I know you're, you were kind of thrown in today <laughs> at, at the deep end on this one, so Peter, look, we, we really appreciate you, you coming up and, and just having a word on behalf of the charity. And, and for anyone that, you know, who's unaware of it, like we say, the shop's there on, on Park Street, and I'm sure if, if anyone's able to contribute or whatever, or just wants to pop in and get, maybe get some more information, Sonia will burn the ear off you. Thank you, yeah, well, listen, thank you very, very much. We really do appreciate it. Come on, Tyler. Well, well done, Steve. Right, we're moving on nicely here. So, we're going to come to the second award of the year. No. <laughs> um, so, in any consistent year, like, like Stephen just mentioned earlier on, um, I think the caliber of goals that we've seen this year was, you know, exceptional. I'm, I'm thinking of offhand, you know, we, we mentioned the last time John Martin's free kick, you know, Louis Anzi run the length of the pitch against Shamrock Rovers is immense. But um, somebody else scored a, a real, a real peach of a goal, and, and I think it's um, it's something that I'm sure will will live long in his memory. Um, in his hopefully his long uh, Dundalk career too. So goal of the season uh, goes to Ryan O'Kane for his goal. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It, it, it wasn't bad. Well, it's not a bad nickname to have, and 
and it's more likely to go with it in any mind. Your season this year, um, you know, I was looking back just at yourself and your career so far. So in 2001, you had about eight appearances, 2022, and you had about 18. This year, you've been 34. You've got to be happy with the return of how much action you're getting on the pitch. Yeah, it was like obviously 2022 was kind of my kind of introduction into playing regularly towards the, the, the second part of the season. And I really enjoyed it. I was kind of starting to regularly towards the end and kind of didn't want to stop when the season ended. So, yeah, coming into to last season, obviously, like, I kept up in power, kind of, like, as I always do in pre season. The season probably didn't start off the way I wanted to, kind of was in and out, sort of, and then kind of halfway through, and just after the break, so I think it was kind of after the goal against Drawd and um, UCD, I kind of to get back in and I was really enjoying it and um, yeah, like I think in, the, in all competitions, maybe 40 appearances, maybe around that. So that was kind of great for me just to build on that experience and just keep playing as regularly as I can. Just, um, you know, last season you came in halfway through the season and you really stamped your authority on the first team. Did you find coming into pre season there was a bit more pressure on your shoulders this time around or did you just sort of take it in your side because you're only. Only young lad as well. Yeah, I I always demand a lot of myself no matter what. If I if I'm playing or not playing, I'd always have high expectations and probably coming into the last season, probably after having a, a good end to twenty twenty two, I probably expected a bit too much of myself. Like I was still sort of nineteen, still kinda of young and it was my first proper season, so I probably expected a bit too much and when things weren't going as I expected it was a bit frustrating. But look I had good people around me, I had good teammates. The gaff was brilliant and family and friends were great as well, kind of having a back when I wasn't in the team and had them giving me good advice. So yeah, that's I just kinda of kept ahead and thankfully then the second part of the season and halfway through I kinda of lifted off again. So yeah, it's happy with that. Yeah, no, it was great. It was great to see you kicking on then as well because you know the little setbacks can have a big effect on someone so young, like I know you picked up a bit of an injury as well throughout the season. How did you seem to cope with that? Yeah, it was it was a, a bad time because I felt like I was in a good day in a form. It was, it was, like, in that break game as well, I thought I was doing well and to come off I was so frustrated because like, it was just one of them where it wasn't like like an injury where it just stops you. It was kind of just building up and building up and it was just getting worse and I just couldn't play on and then I kind of wanted to come back too quick. Like the week after I was saying to Danny the face, like, I might go back in then. He was like, no, like, this is like nearly a month job, like you need to completely get rid of it. So it was frustrating watching him and I think I missed maybe three or four games and four big games as well, like we were playing Rovers and Derry on the bench. So their games weren't playing. So when you're missing them and you're watching from the side, you can't do it. And you feel like you can offer a bit, it is frustrating. So yeah, you just kind of have to obviously be patient, you know, go back in and then get into the game right from another month so yeah look, I again the staff and all brilliant did Danny was it was going to fail that they were swimming and all not the best swimmer but I was doing doing a bit there so um, yeah we had a good team there and uh, I kinda of got back then towards the end so I was just glad to get back. It, when you when you're coming back into the squad and you know Daryl Horgan comes back into the squad as well, I mean you were probably in the stands watching Daryl here, so to be going and playing in a team with him now, what, what's that like? Oh, so I remember the first day he came in and I was like, what's going on here? But uh Hall's has been brilliant for me since he's come back. Like obviously when he came back we were playing together and then I got injured so 
it was kind of just him, him giving me advice and stuff and just loads of information. So what better man to give it to as well, like he's done it all. So um, I've kind of just been feeding off him and he's been brilliant for me. And even when I was injured, then just watching him and watching what he does and different stuff and analyzing even more. So yeah, he's been, he's been great for me since he's been back. If you had to pick one of your goals this year, that stunner against UCD or the goal against the drugs at home?
feel here in Oriel Park only to return once again. Um, I think someone who just who really knows it, what this club means and knows what this town really is as well. Uh, please welcome to the stage John Mountney.
But even when Darren came home, the first the first morning he came in, and I know Don and the kids were still in England, he was the first man in the training. And ever since then, he's been the first man in. So him as well just shows, you know, sets a tone before even speaking to lads, young lads who come in saying, Jesus Christ, he's in here now before everyone else. You know, so it's, it's all about leading by example. I think frustration was the, was the main thing for fans and players because I know fans living in town, you know, and speaking to everyone were, were the same as us. And it wasn't true lack of effort or lack of trying, you know, we, were, we put in all the hours, put in all the work. It's just maybe the first year Stephen came in, we sort of overachieved with a new group. Uh, the league was a little bit more vulnerable, but it's gotten a bit more stable the last year. And, and probably we, we, you know, felt we could have went on and achieved more than what we did. So it was frustrating because you'd want to run, win two or three games, and then go and lose two or three, and, and vice versa. But the big positive I took from the group was watching, watching from the stand, like like everyone on a Friday night was the way the lads applied themselves the last five games and got five wins. You know, said um, said you know, there is a good a good core there, and it is a good group to to work with. sat here this time last year and talked about it halfway through the season and thought there was a bit of title charge happening. It was a little bit different this time around halfway through the season. What was the vibe like throughout, say, like some of the sticky patches this season compared to last season? Like when, was, when we had a couple of bad results, how did the group react to, say, even like the Galway games or like that? Yeah, I think everyone reacted in the same way, you know, after that, everyone just, you know, didn't believe what, what you know what had happened, but uh, in general to the to the to the ups and downs, I think we found it tough because we had high expectations to go on and, and achieve something this year. So that was the, the hardest thing to um, you know we kept finding ourselves back in that place of winning a few, hitting a wall, winning a few, hitting a wall, and, and you never you never win it and being inconsistent. But the league was very inconsistent this year. So right to the last wire, we felt you know there was something to be played for, and, and obviously just fell short of Europe. And just for yourself personally now, like looking forward to next season, are you sort of at a crossroads now where you, where you, you, you know what you're doing yet or are you just trying to get yourself as fit as you can so be ready to go I suppose the first thing was just to try, try and get back fit and prove that I was fit, whether it was going to knock or if there was nothing here to, 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 you know, to other clubs that, you know, the first one was back training and fit and strong. So I got myself there and just wait and see what's what's sort of happening now. But um, like that, I've been here so long. The only reason I left was because of you know the manager used to play with us. So um, you know he's building something here, and, and once he's backed, do you know I back him to, to have success. He also mentioned that the group of young players that are just on the verge of coming into the squad. Is there any of them that you're like you have high hopes for, or is it just? There is a group of young players that are coming through, like with, with mentioned standing earlier on, players like that. No, there's definitely a good core, um, and even even going younger in the, the 19s and 17s, obviously down helped them with a bit of the 15s at stage this year. There's lovely, like lovely footballers coming up. Even I was thinking back, was I that? What was I like at that age in my own head? But they're just so receptive to information now. I think the underage, and, and even if you look younger, there's, there's there's young lads playing internationally under 15s, the two lads as well. So. There is good prospects coming through, and if the club can keep bringing two or three through every year, with a view to the first team, you know, but it's time five years time that it should be it should be later with underage players.
Cheers, lads. Thank you. Um, okay, so we'll, we'll move on on uh, our awards. So, one of the really important uh, awards that we have each year, of course, is the Player of the Year. Um, in a year that's, that was quite challenging, I think it's fair to say that there was one player in particular that kind of stood out a little bit more. Stephen, you know, had some good good thoughts, and I mentioned him earlier on as well, for such an impact in his first season as well after having played a lot of football in the UK to come over here straight after and, and to give a full season and to give the level of commitment and performance that he done throughout the year I think is exceptional as well. And um, so the nineteen oh three player of the year for twenty twenty three is Archie Davis. Archie can't be with us here tonight, but he did send this message. Hi everyone, just like to thank you all for inviting me as your sports player of the year. It's a massive honour for me. It's um, not something I would have expected coming over, especially maybe after the first couple of games. But um, yeah, I felt like I really kicked on, giving me a couple months into the season. And um, yeah, I'd like to thank all the supporters for their their endless support throughout the year, throughout the, um, the good times and, and the not so good times, of course. Um, yeah, hopefully the end of next year there will be a lot more to cheer about and um, yeah, we'll be back fighting at the top of the table. And also I'd just like to thank my, um, all my teammates and of course the staff that have um, embedded me in very quickly, making me feel welcome. Um, and yeah, I felt like everyone involved in the club, supporters, players, staff, really got the best out on the season and um, hopefully there's more to come. So yeah, thanks guys. I think if anyone was paying attention to the Player of the Month awards, that comes as no surprise at all. I think Archie was kind of winning uh, each month uh, award every single time. But it does come to the uh, Player of the Month award for October as well. Um, I think to see this player's effort, um, especially in the last few games, coming off and making a massive impact, and the season that he had as well, you know. Um, there was a certain goal scoring record who's hanging around his neck for for majority of the season and to go and break that and come off in a good way and for the send off, well hopefully it's not a send off, but for the end of season record and beating season that he had to, to get that recognition uh, last Friday for this player as well was, was magnificent. So um, the October player of the month is Pat Hoobin. Unfortunately, Pat was unable to be here tonight, but uh, Pat said he will accept his award um, next week on behalf of the Supporters Club, so um, I'm sure that's something he will definitely do. Um, time to bring up our final guest of the night. Um, this man is, is well known within the club uh, by everyone for, for a long time. Um, he's been here under, under many guises, um, definitely Anyone that's here on match day knows exactly how much of an effort 
it takes to run a club like Dundalk Football Club. And no man who can tell us more about that, it's Martin Connolly. Think of any questions. <laughs> uh, so, Martin. Hello. Busy week? No. Quiet. <laughs> Very quiet. Uh, look, uh, if I don't ask it, <laughs> there's a big elephant in that room. Now, yeah. uh, I'm assuming it was, you know, for for off-field matters, it was a, a busy week. Is there anything that we can? You're able to tell us? Um, not really. Uh, that people don't already know or think to know. Or people seem to think that I go down to I go down to uh, uh, the walks and get me sh shaved. I was going to say hair but I don't get hair. Uh, and I I just I go down there to find out what's going on in Oriel Park. <laughs> but, um, no, it's just that a lot of what people have said were. There's a lot of conversations going on, a lot of uh, discussions, and I, I, I really have to tread carefully here because if I say we hope that something's going to be done soon, then we're ridiculed for telling you the truth, and people will tell you, well, they're not telling us the truth. So I'm telling you the truth. There's a lot of conversations going on. We hope that it will be concluded soon, and that's it. And that's all I can say. Right, another 50 questions here. <laughs> <laughs> Scrap that. <laughs> so, like Martin, like I suppose let's let's tell the story of of this ownership and where we are. Do does from your feeling, do you believe that the current ownership is, can take us as far as we can without further investment? Well, you, you know, there's one of them over there, uh, and. Um, I don't think they've hid behind the fact that they're looking for investment for, for a long time. I think that for anybody that looks at what's going on within the League of Ireland, I think they'd agree that, you know, if we can't provide the investment that somebody, we, we, we need to look for outside investment. And I don't think anybody has made a secret of that in a long time. So I don't see where all the panic comes from or the, 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 the um, over-the-top comments sometimes about Oh, it's investment. You know, I think if anybody watches League of Ireland, I think, apart from Bohemians and Sligo, I don't know if that model is going to be a wide-scale model in the League of Ireland. I don't. And that's my opinion. But I think I'm entitled to that. Absolutely. Yeah. It, like you said, it's a changing landscape within the League of Ireland at the moment. And do you feel that for every club that wants to be competitive, it's going to take significant investment <laughs> And therefore, what are we looking more of? Kind of outside of Ireland influence? Do you feel? I'm not telling you. No, I'm asking you. <laughs> no, but listen. Look, just look at the league. You've got Demi Desmond, who is a billionaire. You've got Philip Doherty, who who, who seems if he's a, a multi-billionaire. You know, you've got Gary Kelleher, who's a, a very wealthy man. You know, you've got Shelburne, who have foreign investment. You have. Um, um, Bohemians who seem to be well, well financed. So, you know, I, I don't see, I, we know we've had the supporters model and it hasn't been successful. 
you know, and Andy over there will tell you that he he he, he was involved with one of the most successful periods in, in, in the history of the club. The league was in a different place then. The finances were in a different place, and it's not as easily done anymore. And he will be the first one to admit that. So, you know, it's 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 tougher. I understand everybody's frustration, and I understand um, the annoyance. But I think you've seen over the last twenty four or forty eight hours why it doesn't pay to come out with statements or give a running commentary of where the negotiations are or where they're not and. You know, we made a statement a few weeks ago, we got a wee bit ridiculed for it because we said we were discussing in discussions and we hope to do, conclude. These things don't happen very quickly. They never do. So that's where we are, you know. When we look at how this season played out with shells and obviously we, we were potentially on, on that card too at one stage, how as a club do we look back on that now? Do we think we sidestepped an absolute landmine or was there a better opportunity if they if you feel at whole that time that we could have worked better? Um, I think Hull was an opportunity. I think and I understand again nobody paid for Pixic more than me. Well I understand I see I seen the good and I seen the bad and I understand people's nervousness around that. But but we do have to say the Peak Six done good things as well. There was success on the pitch during their time here, and you know I think anybody that was involved at that time will say that it was just near the end the problem started. And uh, I think Hull was an opportunity. I think um, uh, the, um, let me see how do I phrase this carefully. <laughs> The, the, I, I understood the panic around the time when people said, "Oh, here we go again." It wasn't. It wasn't like that. Now, now, when when we look at what happened with with Shelburne, maybe we we were better off. But we it, it, it gave us a bit of time to look at other options, and, and that's I believe what the owners are doing at the moment. And you know, I trust the owners that they'll they'll um, make the right decision. I think there's. So the manager obviously spoke before the end of the season about the negativity around the club and around business with supporters or, or you know just I guess around the whole club. How difficult is it to be in the situation that you guys are in, where say the manager saying about this negative again? There is a feeling around the place that you are not exactly able to fit straight away, and there's a whole process involved. Like how extremely difficult. It's extremely difficult to work in that situation extremely and it's unfair for a lot of people it's unfair for people who give up their time as in volunteer coaches volunteers who come in here on a match night the night after clean the place brush the place put soap in toilets and then be told there's no soap in toilets a number of times that is unfair that's unfair now criticism i can take it i have a broad pair of shoulders I'm doing it, but it's unfair when people come in to do a fair day's work for nothing. Their time is just unfair on people, and it's difficult. Martin, what do you envision is the best way forward from here, or do you think it's so uncertain now at the minute with ongoing talks? Well, I, I think it's uncertain, but uncertainty will, will, will end. It will end. And I think then we can all look forward and we can all. Hopefully, look forward to um, 
a brighter future, you know, with, with, with uh, less negativity. We have to. We can't continue like this. We just can't. But, you know, I don't have a crystal ball. I have been through this a couple of times, you know, unfortunately. Um, but um, I do hope that when it does happen, and it will, that we can all, all come together and um, do what's right for the club. But I do believe that the people who are involved in the conversation at the moment are doing what they believe is right for the football club. Yeah, I do. Yeah, just on a positive note, um, we've just seen that Sam Durant signed a contract extension tonight, which is great news, obviously, for the club. He was a bit of a spark. We could see the potential he had there. So, is there any more potential talks with players that are under contract at the minute, or including? Well, well we have fourteen players signed for for next season, um, and there are people. We are talking to people, and we have been talking to people. So, I I do believe that there is positive signs, and I do I am hopeful that we will we are, we will be competitive next season, I, and that's where I see us go. And what about Pat Hoban? What about Pat Hoban? Will he be here next year? Well, I'm not going to comment on that at the moment, but we will comment on it. But, you know, we will comment on it in time. I suppose the fear that most fans always have is when these investment or takeover talks, whatever they are, and go on that as an infrastructure, and I know you're dealing with the day-to-day -day business here, and, and that's something that can frustrate you at times, is there anything that we can do? I know we've set up the um, the committee this year now to, to look into facilities and pushing that on and, and seeking grants. Is that something we want to do as a club all the time, barring whoever the investment is? Absolutely, yeah, I agree. I, agree. I, I, I think that to expect any owner, um, and, and, and um, I've had this discussed before many times, uh, I think for any owner to come in and um, finance um, a well-financed first team, um, an academy set up, community set up, and on top of that, build a stadium is to ask a lot. And um, we have set up a committee to look at infrastructures. We're hoping that we, we are in the process of setting up a, a committee that will uh, look at the fundraising ideas and, and, and grant ideas. And uh, I believe that whoever is the owner, that should be a, a, a priority. Yeah. Because uh, you put it as part of that statement, I think the floodlights and the pitches, you know, are we down to maybe a last season, do you feel, on that? Um, not necessarily, no. Um, the, it's all part of the FEI infrastructure plan as well, that every club is, is, is looking at that. Um, but let's be honest, the lights were there since 1967. Um, the, they're probably one of the only League of Ireland lights that um, they're not LED bulbs. Um, it's really, really difficult now to to get them replaced and really, really expensive. Um, and they are struggling to meet the standard that is ex expected. So they are, they are probably a priority followed by the pitch, yeah? yeah. And the other the other problem is that we only have one facility. We have, and you're gonna um, um, honor the, 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 the academy coaches who, who, who have done outstanding work um, over the last two years that I've been here. And, um, but, until we, we look at further our facilities and you know maybe another pitch somewhere or another facility somewhere, we are really going to struggle, you know. And Academy, just to give you an idea, Academy costs for League of Ireland at the moment 
are anywhere between 100,000 and 500,000. And that's because every club has to have six other teams. Yeah. You know, so. So you're, you're saying the, the floodlights are, are, you know, as a probably one of the key issues that we need to resolve. Would you say that could be something then that us as fans, we need to, like, so for, the, for instance, the club come to, it's how much this is going to cost, let's start fundraising as a goal immediately on that, would you say? I do. I, I, think, I think it's difficult for a PLC to fundraise as a football club. You know, I don't think it's practical for us to go and fundraise with people, given the, the idea that people are paying for some of these wages. But I think if we have a, 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 a plan or a project, be it um, a second pitch, an academy pitch, something like that, I think that's different. As I've been told, and I've been meeting a number of people who have been asked, and um, I've been asking to go on committees, that sort of thing. Um, and I've been met with, with, a, with a positive outlook. Um, and the one thing that the three, them, three or four of them have said to me is, this time build a swimming pool that people call into your door every Friday for a tenner raffle. You know, they built the swim, we built, that's how we built the swim. Remember that, Rory? You wouldn't remember, you're too young. But that's how we built the swim. So, yes, I, you know, if, if, if it's something like that, well, there's a, there's a project or a plan or, uh, of action, I would be, yeah, a supporter of that. You mentioned just kind of, I suppose, frustrations throughout and, and, and you know, the rumour mill that goes around. Do you understand everyone's frustration? It was probably the lack of communication at yeah, times. Yeah, listen, and, and I'm not saying, and I never have said this, I am eight year, nine years in this job, except for one that we won't talk about that. Um, I can absolutely get people's frustration. I absolutely get that. And I have never said that we are the best run team in this, or club in this league. Never. We come into work every day. We work very hard to do what's right for the supporters. We have a brilliant bunch of volunteers, including coaches, that give their time up. I absolutely understand everybody's frustration. But it's very frustrating when everything you say or do is met with negativity. It's very frustrating. And I get it. And, and hopefully we'll be able to resolve that and we'll be able to move on. I think we've always said as well, you know, part of this blame has to come back to us ourselves because, you know, Getting together with a supporters club took so long. We should have been doing this in the in the and the heydays when everything was good. And also, you know, putting together a facilities committee that probably should have been done a long time ago yeah. too. Yeah. And then you've all you've always mentioned it. The cauldron that can be Dundalk sometimes and everything. But we're we're part of it. You know, we're one of the three, three podcasts. Two yeah. local newspapers. Yeah. Two local radio stations. I get that. Yeah. You know, like we were in discussion. With, and an example of it, I think, was the contrast between Hull City, right? And we see what happened with Hull City with Dundalk. Hull City went into Shelburne, and then within six months, they're out of Shelburne. I don't think there was a headline or a story after the first day of it. But yet, when the Hull was supposed to be coming in here, it must have been on for three weeks. You know? And I, listen, once you're involved with the football club, you have to accept some of that, I get it. So, I was told this was five minutes. <laughs> but, but you won't let me ask the 50 questions. <laughs> You've asked 50 questions. So just the, um, the, the manager was here earlier on, he was talking about trying to get everybody back behind the club and get everybody with the, the sort of siege mentality that he's talking about. 
how do we go about recreating that sort of atmosphere? How, what should we attempt to do now? Well, I think we need to be better. You know, we do. We, we, I mean, we need to communicate, and, and, and hopefully, when things are resolved, we will have a number of really good projects in mind and, and really good um, announcements to make, and we can take it from there. And I, I do hope that, that when that happens, that everybody can row in behind one another and, you know, we, 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 uh, we, we bring the club forward together. No, we asked him 50 questions, so he's all right. <laughs> okay, Martin, look, you've been, you've been really good with your time. I just think it's important just, you know, that we do ask the question too. I know you can't answer everything. That, and it, it's a sensitive time for the club and stuff like that as well. So we do appreciate you coming out and answering what you can answer. No problem. At least. Uh, Anytime. So Dundalk FC CEO, Martin Conley. Thanks.